Welcome to Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 124. I'm your host, Derek Moore, and today we're going to be talking about some things maybe impacting inflation, causing some supply chain issues around the globe. Yep, finally going to do it. Finally going to do a little bit of an episode on some of the things in container shipping. It's been in the news. And before you say, wait a second, I have no interest in this. It, it's one of those things that a lot of analysts, a lot of uh, you know, people in finance and on Wall Street, on the periphery, are taking a look at. And so why is this aspect important and why do you want to hear about it? Why do you want to stay tuned? Well, when we think about the cost of goods and the time it takes to, to move goods around, um, this all goes into it. And after the coronavirus, there's some, some kind of one-off things that happen, and we're seeing some interesting things now. And so I'll get into, uh, I'll, I'll do sort of a layman's version of it and bring it back to how you should think about this when you're looking at companies, when you're looking at inflation, when you're looking at the economy. Also wanted to point out that I will put a few links in the show notes I did a few episodes on what causes inflation, and also I took a look on the inflation side at different types of CPIs, the Consumer Price Index, and that included things like the Sticky CPI and the Flexible CPI, and I know inflation's in the headlines right now, and look, I don't know if inflation's going to continue at this rate, if it's going to abate, but some of the ways that they show the numbers, and I'll get into this look a little bit more scary than they are. But below the surface, things like the you know the the sticky CPI has not really moved that much and in the 1970s it did move. Things like used cars, uh, rental cars. Anyway, I I I'll put the episode link in the show notes you can listen all about that. I won't cover that again. Also want to give a, a special thanks to Dan McMullen from uh, Blackstone if you didn't catch last week's episode, really it was a, a masterclass in all things, uh, how companies issue debts in the senior loan market and really getting into, uh, into the details of, of that market and ways that you can sort of look at that for, uh, for individual companies. Okay, so first things first. When we think about um, some of the things, the anomalies that are going on this year, Container shipping costs are really one of the the mainstays. Remember, this is a thing on the periphery, and I, I've actually been watch. I started watching this last year, and I was sort of interested in it. I, I didn't know it was going to, you know, continue to jump up and up and up. But I read a book a few years ago uh, called "The Box" by Mark Levinson, and I'll put a, a link in the show notes to that. He's actually got a new book out called "Beyond the Box." I think that's the title that I, I need to check out. But to give you a, a just kind of a, a lay of the land right now, when we look at container shipping rates or, or cost, right, we're thinking about moving goods and those big containers. Those are, okay, first of all, container ship. What, what is the container ship, right? It's those big metal boxes. So you might see them on a truck and essentially a container ship Holds, uh, holds thousands and thousands of these things. In fact, if you have, there are ships today 
that hold like 20,000 TEUs. Okay, what's a TEU? That's basically how many 20-foot boxes it could hold. And by the way, there are some you know containers that are 40 feet. And the way they stack them, you can stack you know a 40-foot container and then two 20-foot containers on top of it, then another 40-foot container on top of that. So um, anyway, so we'll, I'll leave that for another time. So these container ships, you know, some of them carry around 20,000 TEUs, meaning that's a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of uh, containers on that ship, a lot of stuff. And container shipping also got in the news because you might have heard the, the Ever Given, which was going from China to, I think it was going to Rotterdam in the Netherlands. That got stuck on sort of the bank of the Suez Canal. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that a little bit later. That had a big impact on the economy. But as of uh, the most recent numbers, and this was in the Daily Shot on Twitter, uh, but it was uh, uh, Arbor Data Science Graph, I believe. And one of the things you see is that the rates for one container is $12,200, $12,000 from Shanghai in, uh, of course, is in China to Rotterdam. If you look at, uh, let's see, this is Shanghai to Genoa. So that's, uh, uh, Genoa is a port in Italy. That's about 11.8K, 11,800. And Shanghai to New York is $11,700. And you might have, I'm really, by the way, I'll just give you this one more. Shanghai to Los Angeles is 9,200. 9, and these are, you know, I've seen in the news at different sites that there have been quotes of, you know, $20,000 for a container. Um, and, and this goes, uh, there's a lot of detail in here. Some of these uh, companies have, you know, ongoing arrangements. There was a, a uh, the host of the Odd Lots podcast, uh, Tracy Alloway, did a, and I'll, I'll try and link to one. They, they've been doing a lot of this stuff. They did some episodes on trucking. They actually did one on on containers. But she was trying to do a project to ship a teddy bear in a container, and she just gave up. She was kind of going to go through the process of, of how that works. So um, to give you some perspective on this, and, you know, I... Let's look at uh, Shanghai to Los Angeles, which is you know nine thousand two hundred. Although I, I think I've heard the most recent one was around ten thousand. To give you some perspective on that, if I look back at you know right at the end of twenty nineteen, start of twenty twenty, uh, it was uh, they don't have really got a, it's about fifteen hundred bucks I would say, sort of eyeballing. They have a thousand or two thousand on this chart. So that's quite a bit more. That's quite a bit more. And if you look at, uh, you know, the highest one on here, Shanghai to Rotterdam, that one, same thing, was about, you know, 1500 bucks. So, by the way, interestingly enough, and I'll, I'll probably touch on this, the Los Angeles, let's say, to Shanghai, remember the other way around was, was 9.2 thousand. Um, that one is only about 1,300. 
And you might say, well, why is that? Well, part of the issue too is that there is, um, there's a lot of backlog right now. And I was reading uh, an article that said basically ships are uh, coming in, unloading, and rather than staying in the port and getting loaded up again, which takes time, and then you know they might have to go to different ports or they might you know anyway, um, they're just sailing back empty to uh, back to China because they want to turn around quicker. So kind of an interesting uh, dynamic there for sure. So before I get into explaining a little bit more about what's going on in, you know, what, what's the cause of the situation or what are some of the, the backlogs? And then are we going to see new ships get built? Are we going to see ports increase capacity? One of the things that happened recently, I think uh, Freight Waves, uh, which is a uh, FreightWaves.com, which is a site that has different stuff about shipping and containers and, you know, logistics, that type of stuff. They, uh, they recently posted something that the Panama spread reach an all-time high. And you're like, what the heck is the Panama spread? So if you look right now at uh, Shanghai to New York, so Shanghai to New York is uh, about 11,700. Shanghai to Los Angeles is rough, you know, about 9,200, okay? Now think about it though. Shanghai to uh, New York you've got to go through the Panama Canal. And the reason why this is interesting is that typically when goods and services come in from China, you know, uh, Long Beach, the, LA, the port of LA, there's Seattle, there's um, you know, a couple, couple of those, but let's just use Los Angeles. The, the stuff will get unloaded and the containers would either get loaded onto a train and then you know, trained in inland to wherever it's going, or they might, and then go on a truck or, or just get loaded up on a truck. But those costs are, are rising too. And uh, one of the other challenges is there's a lot of backlog at the port of Los Angeles, meaning ships are at anchor. They are, they, they're not just coming in, pulling into port, getting a loader, they're sitting out there. And so uh, what typically uh, they call the Panama spread because if you were going to ship from China to New York versus China to Los Angeles, it's the difference in the cost. And the cost now is, uh, I think it reached you know around $3,000 recently, according to uh, Freight Waves. Again, go back to 2019, 2020. And the difference between, uh, as I said, Shanghai to New York and Shanghai to Los Angeles. And it, there, wasn't, there wasn't too much of a, uh, a spread. Uh, when I say not too much, you know, it was maybe $1,000 or something like that, which would make sense, right? Because the ship has to be, be at sea longer, has to go through the Panama Canal. I believe you have to pay a, a canal fee to go through there or a tax or a levy or something like that. So, so that was interesting as well. So what are some of the, the, the things that are causing this? Well, I think a lot of it is, and if you look at, read the Wall Street Journal and, and watch enough financial news and, and kind of dig into this a little bit deeper, you see that a lot of people assumed that 
with COVID in, in February, March 20, that, you know, as economy shut down, a lot of people sold off their inventory and were like, hey, we just got to get rid of this. This is going to be bad for a while. You saw that in the lumber uh, arena, which of course, lumber prices spiked unbelievably high. They've, they've sold off a bit since then. Uh, but in lumber, they, they get rid of their inventory, sold it down, and they made a, a basically a, a, an estimation that they're not going to need inventory for a while. Things are going to be down, and the reverse happened. So what's going on? Well, there's been a, a, a few, and I'll give you a few sort of things. Uh, Yantian, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, that is a port in uh, Shenzhen, uh, China, which is on the southern coast of China. It's a really big port. Um, how big? Well, give you an idea of, uh, let's see, I'll come back to that. But it, it's, uh, it's one of the largest ports in the world. So what happened is they, this is recently, um, this is only, you know, I'm looking at an uh, article in the Lodestar, which is a supply chain um, sort of, uh, you know, site. Uh, Yantian uh, Container Terminal, it had an outbreak of COVID-19, according to the article, uh, among the dock workers at, at the port. Um, I say among dockers at the port, but the, I assume that's dock workers. And... So the capacity fell to around 20% of its uh, you know, pre-COVID outbreak capacity. I and mean, this is recently. So what happened was when you take all that capacity down, I think I saw on a map there were something like 60 to 90 ships just anchored off the coast waiting to get in. So that was causing you know, a pretty big backlog as well. Um, that has been, I think they're back online, but according to the article, this could take weeks to uh, to get back to normal, and just kind of go back to the idea of the you know the size of these ports. Um, remember, we talked about TEUs. So, just pulling up a graph. Uh, this is uh, on Statista, and uh, let me see if they've credited anybody. No, this is just uh, they must have been pulling this data in. The Shenzhen port did something like twenty six, twenty seven million TEUs in 2020. I mean, think about that. That's, uh, you know, 27, almost 27 million 20-foot container, you know, 20-foot uh, containers, right? Uh, Shanghai, by the way, was 43.5 million. Singapore, 36.8. Just kind of gives you the idea of just how big and how much cargo goes through from the economy in these ports. Rotterdam was 14.3 million. So these are really, really big ports. And, and most of the biggest ports, um, I'm not gonna, you know, for your sake, uh, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and read off every port, but a lot of these are in China. Now we mentioned, obviously, the, the Antian port was a big deal, um, but also we mentioned the idea that these ships are, are backed up, not only at the Yantian port, but also in the port of Los Angeles. And to give you an idea of, of how backed up, um, there was uh, in Crane Worldwide Logistics site, they had a, a graphic. And the graphic was, they looked at the LA and the, and the Long Beach port. And 
they showed a graphic. It was pretty stark uh, comparing, let's say, you know, starting in July of 2020. And it was the number of anchored container ships waiting to offload at LA or Long Beach. And you look at July next to zero and August, you know, they, they don't, it, it's tough to tell, but I would say probably, um, you know, three or four maybe. And then you go, they reached actually 40 container ships in February, 40 container ships. And as at the end of March, that's all this, this uh, uh, goes to, it was, you know, back, back down a little bit. And what does that mean? Well, that means that a ship comes in and instead of actually, you know, getting to offload, getting to load again and, and going, um, that's, it, it's just sitting there. Let's give you an anecdotal story. I was talking to uh, uh, someone in, in in our industry, right, who uh, knew somebody was was waiting for some cargo to come in, and they had to uh, they really needed the cargo by the first week in July, or basically it's useless. And they wound up uh, you know, their their container was on anchor off the coast of uh, Los Angeles, waiting to to come in to uh, to port. And I think they had to pay a lot of money to uh, to actually go and um, get that container ship in or released or I don't know how it works if you can take you know one off containers off a ship I have no idea, but those are the types of things that are that you're hearing about. And you know the we mentioned the Panama spread too, and the Panama spread, you know the cost going up from Shanghai to New York relative to Shanghai to LA. And look, if, if you're going to be sitting off the coast of uh, Port of Los Angeles for a while, um, and you're like, okay, well, might as well throw the the container through the the Panama Canal and go all the way through up to uh, to New York and and unload there, even though it's more time. And not to mention the you know the cost and, and availability, let's say trucks and and uh, and trains and things like that. So. Yeah, this this is I bring this up, and it, it's something that I'll continue to watch. I think it's kind of fascinating to look at these little pockets of uh, areas in economics and you know around the world, and how that sort of you know plays out with regard to uh, uh, to sort of the the inflation, the economy, what companies are dealing with. And look, I, I'm not an analyst who looks and, and makes recommendations or buy or sell on companies, uh, but I do follow the economy and I do follow um, a lot of this stuff. And you know, from listening to this, primarily uh, the majority of uh, you know strategies that I'm involved in either have hedges, meaning a floor, or buffers, meaning a margin of error, and so less dependent upon trying to make market calls based upon all this stuff. So we know that inflation is in the news. So let's talk about that a little bit. And I've done a few episodes on inflation, so I'm not going to you know go through and, and do those again. But how is this impacting things? Well, I do think it's it's raising the cost for a lot of stuff right now. You've probably heard about uh, chip shortages with with uh, automakers and just the idea that look, I mean, if you have if if your your net margins uh, most likely are going to be affected 
if you've got to pay a, a ton more to get your inventory in stock. And I think I saw recently the uh, sales to inventory ratio was, was really low, meaning that there's not a lot of inventory right now. Uh, talk about just in time, right? Where, you know, you, you get the stuff in and it goes off the shelf. So I, I think this is definitely impacting inflation. And maybe that's why for some of the stuff, you know, the flexible versus the non-flexible or sticky CPI, you're seeing such a, a difference there. The other thing that we're, we're certainly seeing is in the, the balance of trade. And so I mentioned earlier that, you know, some, a lot of these ships are, are not loading containers and then bringing them back to, uh, to China. They're sailing back empty because they, they don't want to waste, I shouldn't say waste the time, they don't want to spend the time in port. They want to get back to China. That's where the, the highest rates are. Now, this is going to be in billions of dollars, but in, uh, and I only have this until, let's see, May of 2021, but the trade deficit was negative $71.2 billion. And in March of 2021, it was the lowest I've seen it going back to, this has to be 92 um, 1992 is all this data that I have here, but yeah, I mean, it was negative 70.75 billion dollars. And so the trade deficit, it's, it's the, or the trade balance is of goods and services balance, balance of payments basis. And so that means that we in the U S are importing, uh, much more than we are exporting, uh, to give you a frame of reference, let me just pull up a random time here. Back in, uh, let's see, September of 2015, it was 41.5, 41.7 billion. And right before, so if we go February of 20, oh, let's go, let's go November of 2019, it was 40.5 billion. So we were negative 75 billion in March. And then, of course, in, in May, negative uh, 71.2 billion. So it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, the, the other thing I would say is that before the 2008 financial crisis, this was trending down, meaning our trade deficit was getting larger and larger, which makes sense because we were sourcing things from around the world, uh, a lot of stuff from China. After the recession of 2008, things went back up. Uh, you know, the trade deficit was reduced. It was actually only 258 billion in May of 2009. So I, I encourage people to read that book, The, the Box by Mark Levinson. Again, I'll put it, uh, the link in the show notes. Because he sort of talks about this. He talks about how leading up to the financial crisis, there was more and more capacity coming online in, uh, in the shipping arena. And actually, they wound up with overcapacity. And so that is an interesting question to bring up, You know whether this surge in rates does that cause new ships to be built for expansion of ports? And, and the quick answer is um, yes, I, I think it does, although you can't just mint a new ship. You, know, you can't just be like, okay, I'm going to you know, go ahead and, uh, and, and build, a, uh, build a ship tomorrow, right? So I think I saw, though, that um, new orders – were something like 17, somewhere between 17 and 20% of the, 
the current fleet. In other words, if your fleet was 100, and it's not 100, I'm making this up, but if, if your fleet was 100, it means, you know, there's 17 to 20 new container vessels on order. And those could take a few years to make, I believe. But um, I actually don't know how many container ships are out there. So, yeah, I mean, there's usually an equilibrium process and, and uh, it seems like new orders for new ships is, is going up. The other thing that I saw, too, is that uh, we mentioned, uh, what was our, our port that we mentioned? The, uh, I think it was the Yantian. Yeah, uh, the port of Yantian. Uh, there's an, also an article on the Lodestar site says the Port of Yantian dust off pre-financial crisis plan to add 3 million TEU capacity. And so it sounds like they're going to do an expansion at that port and that will bring on extra capacity. Because remember, it's one, you know, you need ships, but then also if, uh, if ships have to wait before getting off, then, uh, you know, that could be a backlog as well. So, yeah, I mean, some of this stuff. And then the other thing too is that eventually you would think that, you know, prices will cause some sort of equilibrium. If prices get too high, you would see demand drop. Um, you know, that's yet to be seen. So, you know, we'll kind of see what happens there. A few other quick notes too, before I, I, I want to get into uh, just how damaging that was for that, uh, the Evergreen, the stuck ship in the Suez Canal to the, the economy. But a few other just kind of interesting points uh, supply Chain Dive, uh, which is a site, uh, they had an article recently, and I think, what did they call this? Uh, they talked about the uh, uh, container ship issues, um, of course, at, uh, at the Yantian port. And yeah, we, we can use uh, Yantian port, so they've got a lot of charts here. Uh, one of the things that, that has gone up is the dwell time. Oh boy, I'm going to use a bunch of container shipping terms, but dwell time, as I've learned, uh, of a container is the period between when a container is unloaded from a ship and the time when it is picked up. And this is from FreightWaves.com. Uh, says longer container dwell times result in more terminal space being taken up and gets in the way of you know pickup and delivery of other containers. So stuff gets unloaded and it's just sitting there. So that's uh, that's sort of an issue. And to give you an example of, uh, of dwell times, May 2nd, uh, I think it was three days. And then if you go to June, it's like 24 days. I think this is at the, uh, uh, the Antium port. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's an issue. That was discharge dwell. And then loading dwell was 27 days, June 13th. It was only 11 days in... Uh, you know, on May 2nd. And then the other thing is uh, when you have port closures, obviously that leads to, to backups, ships at anchor. And, you know, they've been running in Yancey and anywhere from 10 to, well, in April they were, you know, 50 or so. But they've been running anywhere from 10 to 30 that are off, uh, off anchor there. And then the other thing that, that you're seeing is something called blank sailings. And uh, again, I, I got my definition here from supplain, supply chain dive. And basically a blank sailing, uh, according to this site, is where a ship was supposed to come in to a port and it just skips it. 
So for, you know, cause they, they've got to stay on schedule. And, um, so a ship just didn't come in and imagine if you're, you know, had book space as a merchant on that ship to get your container on there and the ship just bypasses the port, you know, that's going to cause delays for sure. So yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of stuff, um, <laughs> that's, that's sort of going on in shipping and, and I mentioned we were going to talk about the Ever Given, the ship in the Suez Canal. This is also from uh, Freight Waves. And recently, the head of the Suez Canal, or the authority chairman, uh, they reached a deal. And so this ship went aground, or, you know, when I say went aground, it's, it's, it's got to navigate this passageway. And it wound up getting a little sideways. I think some weather came in. And it hit the uh, one of the embankments and was stuck, and so it took quite a bit of time to uh, to dislodge it. But then, even after it was it was dislodged, it was I don't want to say detained, but it was kept in the Suez Canal because some things had to get worked out. And the Suez Canal Authority originally or initially, according to freight waves. Uh, was looking for almost a billion dollars for damage to the Suez Canal and loss of business caused by this blockage. And now they're saying sources speculated it cost $150 million uh, to pay the uh, Suez Canal Authority to get them to release it. But what, what this really did, I mean, it, it was stuck for six days. There were 18,000 containers on board. It was detained in, in Egypt for three months, and there were 367 ships stuck at anchor during that time. And they're, they're saying here, according to Freight Waves, the, co- the world trade cost per day was $5.1 billion, all right? So that's, that's, really, uh, that's really a big impact, all right? And a lot of ships going through all these canals every day, but you get one of these stuck. And not only that, but... You know, this ship, 18,000, uh, you know, containers, certainly that uh, being out of action, uh, meaning they couldn't be picking up stuff and dropping it off. Not to say that certain companies might have had their stuff stuck on the, uh, the ship and it gets it to insurance things and all that. Okay, so one last thing I'll leave you with, and that's this uh, inflation. And I think sometimes, you know, people can choose a start date and an end date and they can decide to, you know, what it is they want to show you. And what I mean by that is I could show you a certain time frame and show you, you know, March uh, or April of 2020, and then show you March or April of this year. Of course, during last year, everything was, uh, the economy, you know, they closed down the economy, did the lockdowns and all that stuff. So, of course, you know, nobody needed to rent cars. No one needed to rent cars. So, of course, if you're comparing the price of a car rental uh, to, you know, in March of 2020 to the price of a car rental and, you know, today, it's, it's of course, going to be higher, right? So, the reason I bring this up is I ran some numbers and I took a look at, uh, and you can pull this up at the uh, St. Louis uh, Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. If you Google FRED, inflation and uh you know I, I just pulled up some numbers here and the numbers i pulled up by the way 
are, um, this is sort of just, you know, nominal, right? So this is CPI. This is a CPI price index for all consumers, all items, less food and energy. Yep, we got food and energy left out, okay? And what I did was I did a, a two-year time frame. So I did May of 2019 to May of 2021. And May of uh, 2019 was 262.384. So that's the uh, consumer price index, right? In theory, that's the price for a basket of stuff that you want to measure. It's all weighted in different ways. And then uh, May of 2021, it was 275.718. So that's up 13.334 or about 5.08%, uh, okay? But when you annualize that, it's an increase of 2.5%. So then I went back and I said, well, let's look at the period of um, from May of 2019, but let's go back to May of 2017 and see what that looks like. Well, that was 262 and change, and uh, 251.488 was the May of 2017. And so rather than 13.33 points increase, it was 10.896. That's about 4.15% 4, 4 versus 5.08%. And if you annualize that, it's about 2%. And so I bring this up because... I know there's a lot of talk about inflation and look, I mean, if, you know, we're hedged, we're buffered, we have different things that we do. And maybe that takes away some of the sort of the angst about trying to predict markets. Uh, but I will say that, you know, sometimes it's good to take a step back and take, uh, you know, a little bit of a different view on things and we'll watch inflation. I'll certainly do another episode of, uh, you know, we see the next couple months continue um, or if there's any new developments there. But I thought that was uh, uh, certainly something to, uh, to take into account. All right. So, wow. Yep, we actually did it. We actually did an, an episode talking about container ships. And uh, I'll put some links in the show notes for sure. Um, but the, the takeaway from this is, you know, maybe there's something in your world that you watch that's on the periphery that's interesting. And, you know, I started following this. Actually, I started looking at it after I read uh, Mark Levinson's book, The Box, several years ago. And, uh, you know, it, it just uh, is one of those things um, that is definitely not, you know, you, you don't see it on CNBC or Bloomberg. I don't think until we saw the the ship stuck in the Suez Canal did you start to hear more and more about this. Uh, but it is something to watch. And will market equilibriums? Will will the market get back to you know more even uh, stature? How long will it take? You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, folks, um, that's it for this episode. As always, please, uh, rather than wasting time reviewing and starring, go ahead and share the episode with somebody. Um, share with several people if you want. And as I said uh, last couple of weeks, a lot of these episodes, ideas for them are from listeners. And uh, so, you know, let me know if you have an idea for an episode. And with that, we'll talk to you next week. 